welcome back to the For the Ladies podcast. Have you missed me? I've missed you guys. We just hosted our seventh For the Ladies intro to golf clinic of 2021 in Atlanta, Georgia this weekend, and it was hot. I'm so excited for the interviews we have lined up over the next few weeks, which includes today's Ladies of Golf feature with Kendra Koala of Maker Wine. But before we get to that, let's talk women's golf. Wailing Sue won the Pure Silk Championship this past Sunday with a final round 68. It was an emotional victory for Wailing, who captured her first win after seven years on the LPGA. This week, the LPGA heads to Las Vegas for the first annual Bake of Hope LPGA match play hosted by Shadow Creek. Match play events always deliver the drama, and Shadow Creek is an amazing venue for it. You may recognize that course name from the Tiger Phil match in 2018 and the PGA Tour CJ Cup. Let's watch the women give it a shot this time and give a quick rundown of what the tournament will look like. 64 players will be divided into 16 groups of four players, with three days of round-robin matches deciding the final 16-player bracket. From there, the tournament will proceed in single elimination matches to determine the two players who will face off in Sunday's championship match. And finally, the D1 NCAA Women's Golf Championship is underway in Arizona. Rachel Heck of Stanford won the NCAA individual title, becoming only the third player in history to sweep the postseason by winning conference, regionals, and nationals. We're now on to the team semifinals, which will air on Wednesday on Golf Channel. Now on to today's interview. We welcomed Kendra Koala, co-founder of Maker Wine. I'm so excited for our new partnership with Maker Wine, who will be pouring their vino at our San Francisco, San Diego, and Portland, Oregon events this season. I'll let Kendra share the Maker Wine story with you, but I can tell you the wine is delightful, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to just get right into it with your quick nine questions. Uh, what is your favorite social media channel? I've gotten more into Twitter recently. Um, oh. Fun to connect with journalists, actually connected with golf pros, um, and just generally like thought leaders and people doing cool things. I find out. That's, that is um, pleasantly surprising. I love Twitter, but I don't hear many people who also reciprocate that. So, yeah, and it's, it's been a recent thing for me. So getting more nice. What's the last show you binge watched? I'm terrible at watching TV. So I'll go a month without turning on the TV and then I'll watch like all the SNLs back to back from the last month. So I'm going to binge watch the Elon Musk SNL as soon as I find time. Yeah, I'm, I've heard all of the different opinions on it. So I have to watch it. Um, yeah. What is your favorite grape varietal? Ooh, I fell in love with Viognier, which is a Rhone varietal. It's a white wine and it's super aromatic, has like a lot of personality and kind of packs a punch. And so that is my new go-to. I love that description. I felt like, <laughs> like you just like sold me on it immediately. Yeah, um, right now you have to try a Viognier. Yes. What's the most recent song you have added to a playlist? Oh, I just put the Faith remix with Dolly Parton uh, onto my Spotify. I'm all about the like, you know, pump up, get in the in the mode to to go kind of music. Yeah. Last book you read? How to Decide by Annie Duke. Did you learn something in particular? I did. It's I mean, it's 
nerdy, of course, but it's all about how we make decisions and identifying like some of our blind spots and trying to create, you know, frameworks to make better, faster decisions. Yeah. Do you prefer playing nine holes or going to the driving range? Definitely nine. I love the like flow state aspect of golf. And I really find that like getting out onto the course and moving and the rhythm, like that's a little bit more of my flow, but of course I know people that um, get into that on the range too. Well, what is your favorite, uh, your favorite golf course that you've ever played? Definitely my home, my home course or my, my grad school course of Stanford. Um, It's where I've probably played the most and really, I think, come into my own, uh, in my adult game. I love that. Um, how far, like, how far is that for you? It's an hour away now, but yeah, definitely, yeah. Try to try to play it at least a couple times a year. Yeah, that's great. Uh, what's a drink that you love to have during a round? Ooh, so front nine, definitely a LaCroix kind of gal. Um, back nine, I would say maker sparkling Sauvignon Blanc. It's super refreshing, bubbly, low ABV, so you can stay hydrated and get just a little bit of a buzz. Yeah, a little perk up for the last night. Exactly, but it's the back nine. Like I, you know, speaking right. from experience, the front nine. We keep not <laughs> well, with that, let's start with wine first. And when did it become a passion for you? Yeah. So I have always loved wine. I grew up in Chicago to a family that drank a lot of wine. Um, and I, what I really loved about it was just the ritual of, you know, coming together with friends or family, you know, opening a bottle, shooting the shit. And it wasn't until I moved out to California, really, though, that I became obsessed. And um, the reason is that the, the winemaking world out here is so vibrant, so diverse, and I really became, you know, enthralled with the science and the romanticism of small batch winemaking. Um, and yeah, pops to, to California and, and all the wine producing regions um, that really, you know, made me want to take it to the next level, but um, have always been a, a, a personal wine lover myself. Are you like a sommelier? So my co-founder, Sarah, and I have started our wine education. We cool. are level two wine and spirits education trust, which means we are not sommeliers by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and actually, I think like we, you know, we don't want to get too far um, in our education. I think it's really important to keep it casual and we surround ourselves with amazing sommeliers and palettes that we trust, but, um, yeah, we are, ours are still, uh, in their infancy. I think that's good though. It kind of like keeps you, uh, curious for more always. Definitely. And I don't know if you feel this way about golf, but we are really trying to make fine approachable and accessible. And so I think a part of that is like staying in the mind frame of, you know, people that are newer to the sport yeah. or the space. And so, you know, it's fun to learn more, but then you find yourself using words and terminology that people don't know. And so there's, there's a balance, I think, between, you know, um, paying homage and, and, and learning where things come from, but also kind of keeping it, it fresh. Love it. Okay. So what were you doing before Maker? And like, what did you expect your career path to look like? Yes. Uh, so before maker, I was a management consultant 
I lived in the corporate world. I actually worked in healthcare management consulting with hospitals and health systems. Um, I also did quite a bit of sales and business development. And that really kind of like made me feel alive. I loved this intersection of building relationships and creating new solutions and new ways of doing things. Um, and that like, kind of convenes in, in a sale and being able to, to bring value into the world and make someone's life easier. Um, at that time, I mean, I loved healthcare. It was my, my first passion through and through. But I had no idea what I wanted to do with my career. And so at 25, I had, you know, was coming up on four years in consulting and said, you know, I'm going to take the plunge and do what so many, you know, quarter, uh, quarter life crisis individuals do and say, I'm going to go to grad school and maybe take, take some time to try to figure this out. Um, and yeah, the rest. Yep. Of the I, I, I feel that I also went back to grad school at like the same age and yeah, that that's just what you do. You're like, shoot, am I doing it wrong? And then you realize you're not doing it wrong, but <laughs> somebody I needed to let you know. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So if you had asked me, you know, back then what I wanted to do, I had no idea. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> well, and, but you did enjoy like what you were doing in healthcare. So it's, it's interesting. Like at what point did you, were you like, okay, but I'm going to leave it to, to work on. I, maker. I was totally open to going back to healthcare. I mean, I, um, yeah, I was just more looking for something that really like made me feel alive and excited. And, um, what I loved about healthcare also was I think, uh, you know, there's so much mission orientation healthcare and like you're doing good in the world. And I worked with really amazing people. Um, so no, I definitely didn't intend to, to pivot out. Um, but I think being bit by the wine bug, you know, it's, um, people were so warm and welcoming and it's such a fun space that like once we got started, there was kind of no looking back. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, and the other thing I would say is like sales is so important. Uh, if you know, folks are in their like first job out of college and like any type of entry sales role, I say like, take it, do it. You will learn so much, you know, whatever you are selling, it'll personally yeah. challenge you. So I also like, I really loved sales and I wanted to do something where I could be, you know, selling and passionately sharing about what I believed in. It's funny on the maker website. I feel like it's kind of like a cheeky comment that you guys make, but it's about how like you were working in a really like process oriented industry and now you're in the wine business, which I'm guessing is also very like regulation process oriented. So I'm assuming that a bit of your past experience, like made this not easy necessarily, but you weren't uncomfortable by process and such. That's exactly right. I think both highly regulated spaces. Um, and if you can bear with me for a minute, like <laughs> in healthcare, you have these, you know, physicians and caregivers practicing delivering care and like they, they're mission driven in wine at its core. It is artists and craftsmen and farmers and geologists that are passionate about their art and their craft. And it's not, you know, the, the people that are um, creating these amazing like spaces aren't out there kind of being business people. And um, right. you know, after that, they're just, they're just so passionate about what they do. And I loved that. 
Um, and, and so you're, you're absolutely right. It's a bit of a stretch, but a lot of commonalities between healthcare and wine. That's so funny. Um, and I'm just like, at, out of curiosity, like, how are you guys seeking these independent winemakers and creators? Yeah. So, I mean, we first came together as wine buddies and friends and what started as visiting small wineries around California turned into a like, Hey, is there something here? Like we really want to, to kind of, um, honestly see if we can help these producers and, and amazing artists and farmers and craftsmen, because what we found was that they, you know, had amazing wine product. It was great quality and they had the best stories in the world. Um, and so it was really just like starting to go out and meet with people, learn about their pain points that we said, and, and this is why our company is called make and that is our North star is, you know, we wanted to find a way to lift up and shine a light on these small producers we thought were really deserving. Oh, I love that. And then how did, so, oh, this is some kind of something that I was curious about when you approach a new, um, winemaker, how do you convince them that it's okay to put it in a can? Cause you know, that it, for those who don't know maker, your wine is delivered and served in a can. And of course you can pour it out and put it into a glass and enjoy it that way, but maintaining it in a can versus like a traditional wine bottle. That is a great question. I would say, you know, a couple of years ago, cans were still in their earliest days. Now we see a lot more cans on store shelves and like yeah. people are getting into it. Um, and really, it was a lot of a harder sell in the earliest days because we essentially went to some of the best small producers across wine country and said, we want to put not just your premium product and you know your special grapes and juice, but we want to put your name and your brand name onto sure. these cans. And at the time, like they were Coca-Cola cans wrapped in wrapping paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, with the promise that we were going to, you know, make it premium and, and, and show the quality of what was inside. And so there was a handful, literally three winemakers that said like, I will, I will do this and take this leap with you. And uh, you will always be so grateful to those, those first few. Um, now though, it's people, people get the cans, consumers love the cans. And so uh, a lot less uh, convincing to do around the cans today. And is that you guys are doing that because you feel it makes the wine more approachable and like fun or like what, what's the thinking behind cans? Yeah. So it was really, you know, people like yourself, people like us that led us to can. So after we decided that we wanted to create a company that lifted up these small producers, we went and started to talking to millennial women, people like okay. us yeah. about uh, what they were looking for out of their wine experience, you know, how they got wine today, what they were missing. And, um, the, what drew us to cans was, was a few things. I think what we started to learn is that, you know, cans are better for the environment because mm. of aluminum, um, and also the, the less weight for transportation and shipping so yeah. part of the carbon footprint. Um, they are actually, you know, just as good, if not better for most wines. So wines that should be drank young within a few years, they are preserved, you know, perfectly point in time inside of a can. So we're not making wines that are cellar worthy, but really wines for the here and now. Um, and, and the can format allows people to enjoy it in new places and a little different. So, so lastly, what we heard of was 
you know, the cans are great for single serving. I can have, have it, Got you know, it. Netflix on a Tuesday night, or I can take it on the go on a, a boat or on the golf course. Um, and, and it's, you know, much more friendly than having to plug a bottle around with the works for you. Uh, so turns out cans are also really beautiful and kind of offer this new, you know, canvas for us to design around. Um, so we got excited about that as well. But really, once we started to unpack the benefits of cans, like we became the crazy. Nice. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's great. Um, I, they're all so beautiful. People should go check out the Instagram. The, the graphic designs are amazing and they're just fun and friendly and I'm uh, like minimalist, but I, I love them. So yes, it's, I think it's great, but it's always interesting. Like all of those, I'm, you know, environmental reasons are certainly interesting, um, especially for people who, you know, are inclined to, to take care of it. Um, I, it's funny when you guys, when I look at your Instagram, for example, you know, I see you provide really good, like behind the scenes footage. So like when I think of going to a vineyard, I'm like sitting on like a blanket and, you know, sipping my wine. But when you guys go to a winery, like what, um, I mean, you're obviously getting to know the winemaker and that company, um, and, you know, trying to like learn who they are, but on the wine side of like the actual product, what are you guys looking at? Yeah. So our wines are the exact same bottle quality wines that these small producers are known for. And they oftentimes are their favorite grapes or their estate mm. grapes, um, the ones that they want to highlight and share with a new audience. And so the way that it works is honestly so much fun. Um, we essentially get to go to winemakers and say, like, you do what you do best is make amazing wine and tell great stories. And we will do, you know, our part in capturing your story, bringing it to life and mm -hmm. coming up with this, you know, design for the can. And all of this comes together in what we call canning days, where we actually go to the winery and we work with a mobile canning truck. It's called the Can Van. They're a local Bay Area woman-owned canning operation oh my gosh. that Sarah knew about from her days in craft beer. And today the can ban is leaders in canning premium wine across wine country. Um, but we get to come together with the can ban with our winemaker and we work elbow to elbow for a day or a couple of days and are able to do more than 10,000 cans uh, on the assembly wow. line straight from the tank at the winery. That is so fun. Yeah, it's it's a blast. You should check it out. I'm not I'm not here to plug us, but you should check it out on Instagram. The videos are really yeah, I didn't realize it was like a truck and like a mobile unit. So that's they awesome. They roll the assembly line out of the back of the truck. Oh. And then they hook it up to the tank. And then like we, you know, go up and we work the assembly line and we, we dry and actually physically, you know, touch and QA every single can that comes off the line ourselves. Oh my God. So personal. Um, was there anything that you ran into that surprised you about the wine industry since you guys were entry into it? I mean, honestly, just was taken aback with how welcoming and warm people are in this space. Um, you know, I, as two complete newbies, Sarah had yeah. a bit of a background in, in craft beer, um, and it was a total foodie. Uh, you know, my background was in healthcare. And so to, to be able to, you know, meet with all these amazing winemakers for them to share their, their time and their stories with us and, and to take a chance on us. Um, yeah, I, I can't say enough great things about the people in this space. 
I think the other thing is there's a lot going on under the hood in wine. Um, you know, there's kind of like what you get at first glance. And then as you start to dig in, you know, from how grapes are grown to wine marketing and branding and distribution, like it's just been a constant drinking from a fire hose, learning about how, like what all goes on behind the scenes and then trying to figure out like our maker way of, of doing it. Um, so, but I, I, I like that and I like the challenge, but that's definitely been a big surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like maker similar to for the ladies, um, like wants to tell stories and elevate these like people, you know, small businesses that are working really hard to create things that they love. Um, so what are you enjoying the most right now about maker's business? Yeah, well, you're so right. I mean, maker is all about bringing people together. Um, right now, I am having a blast with our virtual events. We mm. get to work with incredible companies, charities, teams, groups of friends, bachelorette parties, um, oh, and cool. do virtual events. And so we, um, yeah, we, you know, honestly, our charity partnerships have been amazing. I never, you know, foresaw being able to, you know, do good in the world and bring people together over, over the wine and support some incredible nonprofit. So that is what we're having a blast with at the moment, but then in-person events are starting to come back. So for right. the ladies clinics this summer, like that's probably my, my next, uh, next step most excited for. Yes. We are very excited to have maker at the events, especially the tastings. I feel like people are going to be like, what is going on? Give me more of it. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Well, since we are a golf podcast, I would love to talk to you about like your relationship with the sport. Did you pick it up at Stanford or had you played earlier on in life? Yeah. So I grew up going to the range with my dad and occasionally like playing on family trips, but I was a serious gymnast at the time. I never did ball sports, I say. Um, so <laughs> it's always more a hobby or on the side for fun. And it really wasn't until I entered the business world you know, in my early twenties. Uh, and I think I, I realized that golf, um, was seen as a bit of an old boys club and sure. that made me want to, to find my place on the course, you know, even more. And so really, I would say over the last 10 years, I've gotten a lot more into it by no means. Am I like, you know, anything to write home about on the course, but absolutely. Um, yeah. Loved growing up, going with, to the range with my dad and have had a lot of fun with it more recently. Yeah. It's funny, like how common of a story that is like golf was maybe something you did like once a year um, or once in a while, but like you've started picking it up because of, you know, entering the workforce. And it's funny because sometimes I think of that as like, oh gosh, that's so stereotypical, but like, that's literally what happens. Like, so it's, it's so interesting to continue to hear those stories. And it actually makes me feel good. Cause that means like people have a reason to get into it while they also want to. So yeah. Absolutely. And like, you know, going back even a handful of years now, I was a grad school intern working outside of Denver, Colorado. And, you know, the email goes out to everyone in the department about the summer golf outing. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was pretty wild to see how few women signed up. Um, right. And so I think, yeah, you just like really get that sense of where, like how important golf is in the business world. And also, that like you, you need to, you need to like have your place and feel comfortable out on the course. So now I would say like, I, I love that. Like I totally see, you know, it's, it's 
place in the business world and then also personally. In yeah. Um, tell me a bit more about the clinic with Stanford. It sounds like it was amazing. <laughs> Yeah. And, and this is probably, I should, I should credit really, you know, what, what got me back into it in my, in my mid twenties. So sure. uh, in grad school at Stanford, they do this amazing ladies golf clinic. It's the spring quarter and essentially it's 12 weeks of several hour clinics with educational events or on occasion, the, the happy hour. Um, and then it culminates with this scramble uh, and you have your friends, Patty, and people come out and watch and they cater to all different levels, like super friend programming. And I about the ladies was, oh my gosh, yes, I, I'm already obsessed with this. Um, and, and just, yeah, that, that was absolutely what got back into it. It was every Wednesday at the, at the end of the class and everyone would roll over about the um, And we got to also hear from some really amazing women in golf. Oh, cool. You know, people in golf. Nice. Yeah. I wish more grad school or just collegiate programs um, did that because I think when you include golf in like regular schooling, there's so much opportunity because otherwise it feels like it's such a like extracurricular thing. Whereas like, you know, you'd play football during gym, you'd play soccer during gym, but like you're not playing golf during gym. Um, and that's certainly for, you know, kids who are younger, but I love that it was integrated into business school. So just like, yeah, so nice. And do it for credit. I didn't do it myself, but at Stanford, mm. it props to them and their amazing golf program, men and women's, um, but they offer it, you know, for credit undergrad and graduate, you could take a small fraction of their classes. So some folks did, awesome. did do golf. Yeah. That's sweet. I would have loved to do that. Um, well, uh, now I need to know how you found out about For the Ladies. Oh my gosh. Um, this is so, so classically me. I was scrolling, I think I was scrolling Eventbrite, you know, on like a Saturday afternoon and saw the TPC Harding Park event that is coming up in a few weeks for For the Ladies. And I was like looking for things to do, wanted to see if there was anything, you know, golf wise for me out there and then once I saw your website and you know this Abby I just like completely lit up and was like personally I want to get involved like love you know sport meeting other women that are, are you know trying to trying to get on the course too and then for our company I mean maker being you know a all about making wine more approachable and accessible cans are perfect for your course companion. And so uh, I wrote you this total fangirly email um, and you were super kind to respond and, and hop on the phone. Um, and, and now we're, we're getting to partner on a bunch of events. And so um, thank you for, for working with us. We're super Oh, it's going to be amazing. And if women are attending our clinics in California or in Portland, Oregon, what will they be able to expect from Maker? Absolutely. So for the ones where we are participating, you can expect not just uh, two different types of canned wine, but we will also be sharing the stories of these winemakers talking about tasting notes together um, and doing a little group cheers at the end of each event. So would love to see you guys again. We'll be at TPC Harding Park down in San Diego next month in June and then in Portland in September. Is that right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yes, I am so excited. I think um, I also think like just in general, 
you know, I am not super educated on wine. I drink wine and credit like so often it's my drink of choice. So it'll just be fun to like have a little learning experience as well. Absolutely. Um, and then lastly, what I ask every participant of the podcast is what advice do you have for women who want to pick up golf? I am going to borrow this one from Condoleezza Rice, who spoke at one of our golf clinics, but she said, if you can pick up a club, you're a golfer. So that is my advice. Um, You know, baby steps start anywhere. It is an awesome sport and a great place to meet people too. So you're in. That's perfect. They're around together. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited. I um, heard you may have hooked up with somebody on the For the Ladies T-Sheet which is great. She's awesome. And now that I have like some travel potentially coming up in a few months, I'm like, I want to, you know, ping some women and and see what kind of courses we can check out. Oh, and one last thing I just realized. So if women aren't in California or Oregon, can they expect to see maker in their community sometime in the future? Thank you for asking. Yes. (laughs) So we, um, we've been stuck here in California. I love California but we've been stuck here for the last year and we are finally starting to expand. So we just launched in Florida last month in the Sunshine State uh, is our first new state. And then we're actually going to be opening up between 20 and 30 additional states coming to so many of the big metropolises uh, this fall and into the winter. So if you are excited about Maker or want to have great wine for the course, feel free to check us out at makerwine.com or we are at Maker Wine on Instagram. Can't wait. 20 to 30 states. That's a lot. You're like, you're we're, coming we're in hot. For you. yeah. in hot. <laughs> I feel like we need to now just make sure that like our For the Ladies like road trip just like goes through all the maker states, which now is very realistic. Exactly. And now we're, we're coming for you, Abby. Just you wait. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Our original music is composed and performed by my talented and wonderful friend, Ryan Young. If you're looking for more from For the Ladies, visit us at ForTheLadies.net and on Instagram at ForTheLadies. That's F-O-R-E.